Good morning, church. My name is John Gwynn. I'm one of the elders, and it's really nice to be preaching with people instead of little paper plates with faces drawn on them, which is what we had on the seats <laughs> during, during COVID. So I want, I want to take a minute before we start just to, just to say, you know, with uh, the changes that are going on right now with what, what we just talked about, that right now, with COVID and all these different things that are happening, it just seems like the world is in a whirl, whirlwind. And I just want to say it really uh, helps when we have our foundation, like, like the word says about putting your foundation, building it on Christ, building it on the rock, because the storms are going to come. Things are going to change, and change is not always comfortable. But he is faithful, and he is in control. Uh, also, you may have saw, you may not have, that we, there was an email sent out that one of the founding elders of our church uh, passed away yesterday, Sal Capazzoli, who uh, I knew my entire life. <laughs> so he was a man, I, I really was glad that when, we came in, when I came in, I was thinking about this on the drive-in, that it would be really remiss to not talk about him. He was a man that could speak into your heart. Uh, he, he was a prophet in a lot of ways. He would be able to read your mail, as they say. But um, he really had a broken heart, which is really appropriate for today's message because I'm going to be talking about that a lot. He, he was a man of humility, and we just want to honor him. Um, take some time uh, to pray this week for Josephine and their family um, because they really were uh, founding members that just affected so many lives. So we just wanted to, to bring them up to you this morning. Um, so this morning we're speaking from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. Now in Ephesians 6, Paul, uh, he's continuing speaking on how we should relate to each other. He starts with clo our closest relationships and he works his way out from there. Um, Pastor Greg did a great job last week sp speaking about relationships of husbands and wives uh, in chapter five. I'm not just saying that because he's here this morning. Uh, I'm saying it because my wife told me, you should listen to that message again. That was a, which, <laughs> apparently I didn't get it the first time, so. <laughs> but, uh, this passage really continues on from that, from relationships with uh, husbands and wives, goes into relationships in our family, and goes out from that into relationships in the world, in the workplace. But the key, really, being Christ-like, it's the key to all of these relationships. When I, uh, being imitators of Christ, it's at the center of all of it. It starts with that relationship, and that's the beginning, and that's the foundation that all other relationships are based on. God brings us, this is kind of the big idea for, for this morning, God brings us full circle in our relationships. He, how he relates, how we relate to others is in direct reflection to how we relate to God. If we are involved in relationships that are broken, 
we should stop looking to change the other person and take a closer look at our own hearts. Are we being imitators of Christ? Paul lays out the groundwork for this at the beginning of chapter five, where he says this in Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Let's take some time and pray. Father, we love you. We thank you that in the midst of the storm that you are our foundation, that you are the rock that we can stand on. So Lord, we pray this morning that you would open our hearts to hear your word, that you'd help me to speak your word. We invite your presence, we invite your Holy Spirit, a peace in this place. In Jesus' name. So, as I was bringing this message together, at first I struggled with it, but once I actually saw uh, how that verse that I just read to you from Ephesians 5.1, once I saw this, it all made sense. Everything else made sense. And I put an illustration together that I just want to talk to you quick about. These are the different relationships that we're going to talk about. Pastor Greg last week talked about relationships to spouses. We're going to go through this circle, going through from children to parents, from parents to children, all the way around to employers to employees. But each one of these work when they're connected to that verse. They all work when we personally are pressing into our relationship, being imitators of Christ. That's how we should be relating to each other. It's a direct reflection um, of our relationship with Christ. How much we allow him to break us and reform us into his image. If we deal with others from a place of broken humility, of a life formed in relationship with him, our earthly relationships will be blessed. So let's start with verse one of chapter six. It says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is parents' favorite verse right here. You know, the, 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 the word obey in the original language has a sense of being underneath, to hear from under as a subordinate, to listen attentively, and to heed or conform to a command or authority. But those of you that have uh, children will know this. Even if you don't, you probably still do know. You don't have to teach a child to be disobedient. Somehow they just learn it naturally. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, but you do have to teach a child obedience. It has to be taught. 
And I want to just take a few minutes for those that are young here that, that um, are still uh, under their parents' authority, living at home with them. Uh, and this is the first step in your relationship with Christ where God can begin to form you, to form us in our relationships. Our natural tendency is to push back even at a young age. But God requires us to be broken before he can effectively use us. And he starts this process even in childhood if we let him. So the slide shows here that connection. Children being obedient to parents. Yes, we can affect that as, as parents, but God can start to change hearts even at a young age. Children can begin, even at that young age, to be imitators of Christ. You know, I just want to encourage you if you're a young person here. Um, I was out weeding in the garden, which is a rarity for me because I hate gardening, and the, the ground is very far away for me, so that's my excuse. Um, <laughs> but I was sitting, we have a big oak tree in our yard, and I was pulling out weeds, and I pulled out a few that were actually little oak trees. They were around that big. And I really felt like that was one of those God moments where God was really speaking to me. It was a real strong impression that I had because I was pulling out oak trees with two fingers. And we have an oak tree right next to this place that's around this big around in the trunk. And God was saying, you know, you can deal with, with your sin early when it's pulled out with two fingers or you can wait till it gets to be as big as that tree. So I just want to say to young people today, if you're here, work on your heart early. It's a lot easier to deal with sin. It's a lot easier to deal with our heart issues at a young age when we can pull it out with two fingers, when God can help us with that. But if you've ever seen big trees taken down, it's a lot more work. So the next passage as we move on is verse two and three, where it says, honor your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. You know, this verse to honor, it actually has, has an implication of when you honor something, you actually place a value on it it has that tense to it, that feel to it, placing value on something. So honoring your father and mother, what does that look like? To honor your parents does not mean that they're perfect. Many people have come from horrible home situations that can make this verse very difficult. So we can ask ourselves, what good things have your parents did? What have they done? What have they done for you? Now, th this is uh, not easy because parents are, it's a hard job. Sometimes it's hard to find these things. But it's really, I think, important for us to do this, to value, to find those areas uh, of goodness in our parents. Even if our home situation was bad, if you, if you need to forgive them of the wrongs that they've done. This is also important. 
This is more important many times for us than it is for them. If you had a hard home situation, don't allow that to fester inside of you. It's gonna hurt you, it's gonna wound you, and it's gonna affect your whole life. Unforgiveness of our parents can directly affect how we treat our own children. So it's critical to make sure your heart is in the right place. You know, I was thinking about how this has that promise of a long life. I think this has a lot to do with it. If we go around with unforgiveness in our hearts towards our parents, I really, I really believe that can affect your health. I really do believe that. But if your heart is clean, if you don't have that resentment towards them. So, to bring up the graphic again, um, this one connects together again. Our relationship with our parents. Getting our hearts in the right place. It's so much easier to honor your parents. It's so much easier to forgive your parents when you are seeking to be an imitator of Christ. When, you're, when you've spent the time with, with God and allowed him to break those things in you and allowed him to form you into the person that you're supposed to be. When it comes to our relationships, from the brokenness of a life spent with Christ, we can see our parents, how he sees them, broken vessels that he loves, and we should do the same. Moving on to verse four of chapter six, it says this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. It's interesting how Paul directly addresses fathers in this verse. You know, I think dads tend to uh, parent from an authoritarian authoritarian method, excuse me. <laughs> um, we tend to have that do it because I'm your father kind of an attitude sometimes. And I think that this is what is, Paul is referring to in this passage. You know, it's, a, it's really, today I think we look at this and it makes sense to us, but this was really a revolutionary passage for that time. Children were viewed as property, and parents could treat them however they wanted to treat them. So the idea of not provoking your children to anger was not even a consideration. They were your property. Now, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't correct. It doesn't mean we shouldn't discipline our children. It means we should do it in humility and brokenness. You know, I know from my own personal experience that those times when I was really frustrated and I was putting my foot down and I was doing the old authoritarian parenting, I regretted it almost every time. When you go from a perspective of humility and brokenness with your kids, they're a lot more open to hear what God has to say. So if we bring up the illustration again, we can see, once again, parenting your children is connected to being imitators of God. 
The next verse, chapter, verse five and eight says this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes are on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serving wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. So, I want to be upfront and say that this scripture makes me feel uncomfortable. And it's not an easy passage of scripture to preach on. So I want to thank Greg for picking me to do it. Kudos to you. <laughs> but, you know, the word slavery can trigger in us many thoughts and emotions. This is not an easy subject to discuss, especially in light of where our country is at right now. We tend to wince when we hear that word slavery and masters, and largely because we immediately think of the African slave trade in which slavery was race-based, lifelong, and based on kidnapping. Tim Keller actually says it this way, referring to this passage. Paul is speaking to servants and masters, and this raises many questions in the minds of modern readers about the Bible depiction of the evil of slavery. While much can be said about this subject, it is important to remember that slavery in the Greco-Roman world was not the same as the New World slavery institution that developed in the wake of the African slave trade. Slavery in Paul's time was not race-based and was seldom lifelong. It was more like what we would call indentured servitude. You know, we may question why Paul doesn't directly condemn slavery in this passage. That was one of the things that I struggle with when I read it. Tim Keller also, and Keller and Carson also says this regarding that. Paul is not condoning any cultural practice, he, but instructing Christians how to lead God-pleasing lives in the world they find themselves in. Paul's teaching doesn't condone any form of slavery. His purpose in this passage isn't cultural revolution, but personal revolution under the leadership of Jesus Christ. Let me read that part again. His purpose in this passage isn't cultural revolution, but personal revolution under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And what Paul teaches about respecting one another sowed the seeds for cultural change. So what does this passage mean to us? I think the best connection that we can make is our relationship in the workplace. And to quote Tim Keller one time, one more time here, he said this, but for our purposes, think of this passage as a rhetorical 
amplifier and consider this. If slave owners are told they must not manage workers in pride and through fear, how much should this be true of employers today? And if slaves are told it is possible to find satisfaction and meeting in their work, how much more should this be true of workers today? So let's break down this passage and take a look at relationships of employers and their bosses. Ephesians 5, excuse me, Ephesians 6, 5, and 7 says this. Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes are on you, but as slave to Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. You know, this is, this is a tough statement to accept as Americans, I think. And specifically as New Englanders, we tend to pride ourselves on our independence our country was literally founded on gaining our independence, on that fight for independence. It's in our cultural DNA. But my question is, should it be in our gospel DNA? Christ didn't do it this way. He walked in humility in spite of having all the authority and every right. He was the son of God after all. So if we're in a hard situation at work and having a hard time with our relationship with our boss, the first thing we should look at is ourselves. Let me look at this scripture from Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 again. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offer, an offer and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So Paul here is referring to Christ's crucifixion in that, in that part of the scripture. He specifically mentions that in his example. So let's think about the example of Christ on his way to the crucifixion. When he had all the power he had all the authority. He had every right to call down angels from heaven. But in spite of it, he stood there and let them spit in his face and pull out his beard, taunt him, and torture him. But he remained silent. This should be our attitude in our work towards our employers. So super easy then. But once again, here, we're looking at that connection, that hard attitude. It's so much easier to deal with your boss when your heart's in the right place. It's so much easier to deal with those hard work situations when we've been broken, when we've allowed ourselves to be broken and formed by Christ. 
So lastly, we move on to Ephesians 6, 9, where it says this. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. So lastly, Paul talks about how employers should treat those that work for them. Treat them in the same way. Do not threaten them. If we manage people with love and respect, out of humiliation, uh, hu humility, excuse me, and brokenness, they will want to follow us. There are so many bad examples of leaders leading out of fear and, and out of humiliation. If you manage people, this is one of the best opportunities you can have to show Christ's love to those around us. It also says there is no favoritism. God doesn't care that you're the boss. Isn't impressed by that at all. He cares how you treat those that work for you. So in conclusion, bringing up the illustration again, being imitators of God is the foundation of how we can manage people. Manage those around us out of humility and brokenness, love and respect. If they know you're a believer, they're watching you so closely. And it's in this that we have our best, some of our best opportunities to really be a witness for Christ. I believe if we manage this way, we will be astonished how much he will bless our work. So in conclusion, I want to uh, give an illustration from my own life. Um, a while back, I was in a work situation, and um, my company decided to put another boss above me. So I had more than one. You know, you need more than one boss. It's important. So, I had an attitude about that, shockingly. And all I could think about was, man, how do I get this guy out of this situation? How long is it gonna be before he moves? I think he might actually not be there too long. All my focus was on that, getting him out of my face, to be totally blunt. And as I was thinking about that, I, I was, God talks to me a lot when I go for walks. <laughs> I was taking a walk and he's like, why don't you start praying for him? And I'm like, really? <laughs> that, that's what you want me to do? So I did. I started to pray for this, this person. I, I started to lift him up in my prayers. And do you ever have a change that happens and you don't even notice that it happens until you look back and you're like, oh, wait a minute. That's what happened in this situation. My, my heart attitude completely changed towards this person. They became actually a really close friend 
and they actually ended up being a real advocate for me within the company. They had my back so many times within the company. And I could have, if I continued in that situation and just been stuck in my place where I just wished that he would change instead of looking at my own heart, that situation would have been probably a terrible situation. So God brings us full circle in all these things, in all these relationships. How we relate to others, it's a direct reflection of how we relate to God. If we're involved in relationships that are broken, as I said earlier, you should take a closer look at your own relationship to Christ. Our workplace is one of the primary areas of our oikos that we spoke of earlier. This is a real opportunity to touch others' lives. If we allow ourselves to be more like Christ, to be broken, you know, it says in Matthew uh, 21, 44, it says this, and he who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, but whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. Does it feel like sometimes your relationships are scattered like dust? Let's take some time to look at our own hearts, stop and trying so hard to change those around us and take some time to change ourselves. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you care so much for us that you're patient with us when our hearts, when our lives are um, stubborn and we need so much for our hearts to be broken. Father, help us to be willing to lay our lives before you and be broken. We love you. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name.